which is on page 988. Page 988, Matthew chapter 21. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Say it with me, everybody. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus had entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred. And asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Well, friends, over these uh, last few days, we've had a number of visitors from overseas. It's been a huge privilege, and we have one of them with us this morning. But you'll see if we can have the slide up on the screen uh, that we've had uh, no less than six archbishops from around the world. Uh, Let me introduce them to you. First of all, in the flesh, Bishop Stanley, come up and join me. Give him a welcome, everybody. (laughs) Bishop Stanley and Tagali from Uganda, welcome to you. Thank you very much. We have the other microphone as well. What's happened to it? Oh, thank you. Um, Bishop Stanley. Bishop Stanley, is that better? Bishop Stanley, welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us. It's been a huge privilege over this week. You've come from where? Oh, thank you for your warm welcome. I come from Uganda, the church of the province of Uganda. And you are the archbishop over the whole province? Yes, I'm the eighth archbishop of the province of Uganda. Yeah. And you were telling me uh, the other day that there are 11 million Anglican Christians in Uganda, is that right? Yes, that's right. 11 million Anglican Christians in the province. Which puts us a little bit in our place here in this country. And you have 4,500 clergy. I've, I've been working that out. That's about one clergy man or woman to every 2,500 people in the church. Um, I've actually done my sum. That means that in Southwark Diocese, where there are 300 clergy, more than that, 350, you would make do with only 12 
That's true. The church is growing. We are planting churches, parishes, and dioceses, but we have few clergy to care for the children ministry, the youth, and uh, the Christians in the church. Yeah. What is the most exciting thing that you see happening in Uganda? Uh, there is growth. People are focused on Jesus Christ. They want to follow his way. And that is very interesting because people want uh, to uh, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. It's yeah. very exciting for us as leaders of the church today. And what is the greatest difficulty, the greatest problem that you face? Uh, whereas many people come to church, there is poverty uh, in villages. The rich are getting richer, especially in urban centers. And in rural areas, the poor are getting poorer. That's a big challenge because they cannot support the church, whereas people would want to support the church. Um, and you're needing to bring on and train a lot of new church leaders. You were telling me about that. Um, and we'd like to be part of that and maybe to pray for and maybe support the training of some of your ordinands. Thank you. Uh, we, on top of having a growing church, we have retiring uh, clergy in big numbers, and therefore we have to have a strategy to train ordinance, take over the, 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 their roles, and also begin plant new churches. So training is my major priority, and I would want you to pray for me and support me. Yeah. Stanley, how did you become a Christian? Oh, thank you. Uh, when I was 19 years old, I had been baptized, I had been confirmed, but I had never had a personal relationship with the Lord. It was on Christmas Eve, 1974, that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into my life and started uh, working with him. I'm now an old man. I have never regretted. The Lord Jesus is my personal Savior. I am an archbishop who loves the Lord. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Yes. That's an important reminder to us as well. Baptism, as we have conducted it this morning, is a wonderful sign of the faith. But it's not the faith itself. It's not the reality. It's the pointer, the signpost to it. And that's why we pray for your little girl, Alana, uh, that she may grow up to accept the faith and the Lord Jesus herself. Yes, because baptism itself is the outward uh, spiritual sign showing the inward change so that when people are baptized, they have to continue growing inwardly to follow Christ the rest of their lives, being brave to fight against the world, the devil, and sin. Yeah. Now, these were the six archbishops who were here this week. You can see that's in the room upstairs here. Uh, Archbishop Stanley on the left from Uganda. Uh, Archbishop Nicholas Oko, uh, the primate of all Nigeria. Uh, where there are over 20 million Christians. So just from the two on the left, you have already 31 million Christians. Uh, and then Archbishop Elliot Wabukala, some of you will remember him, the Archbishop of Kenya, who was here last year in our leaders' conference in May. Um, uh, I think there's something like 6 million Kenyan Christians. Those three on the left lead over half the whole of the Anglican Communion worldwide those three men on the left. Um, then you have uh, Archbishop, who's the one in the, the fourth along? Uh, Daniel Deng. Oh, that's Sudan. Daniel Dengbul, the Archbishop of Sudan. Um, and, uh, and then the next? He's the tallest one. Yeah. Bishop Rouage, um, and then Daniel Dengbul, and then Archbishop Tito Zavala, of the southern cone. That's the southern half of South America. In Anglican terms, South America is split into two. The northern cone is mainly Brazil, and then all the other countries 
in the southern half of South America are under the leadership of Archbishop Tito Zavala. Tito is a sort of affectionate name for Hector. It's been wonderful to have them with us and to have you in person speak to us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you for the warm welcome and all of you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord God, because on this day we commemorate your entry into Jerusalem as the Savior of the world. We thank you for bringing us together in your presence to worship and praise you and to hear your word. So, Lord, we invite you in the presence of your spirit to speak to our hearts so that we may understand your will through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Jesus entering Jerusalem as a king. That was our reading this morning. I bring you greetings from my wife Beatrice and our five children and our five grandchildren so far. We want to thank God for his love to us as a family and of course Christians, bishops and clergy and Christians in the church of the province of Uganda have sent their love and greetings to you. My wife is very far away from home, further than uh, England. He's, she's in, uh, in California, uh, in the U.S., visiting with other women from uh, All Saints Cathedral, Kampala, uh, visiting a parish that invited them to talk about mother's union and women's work. Yes, I came to attend the installation of the 105th Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welbe, uh, which was a wonderful service. I was very delighted to be part of that, and it gave glory to God. Our coming was to show our solidarity, our willingness to work with Archbishop Justin, and the gospel was biblically based, focused on Christ, and we felt blessed by the message of that day and the whole service. Praise the Lord. Many thanks to my Dear brother Paul, your vicar, and Christine and family for the wonderful hospitality and friendship. They made me feel so much at home at their house. And I have been staying with them for the last two days until now. So it's a wonderful joy. I want to welcome all of you and to thank God that we are together in fellowship. I attended yesterday the men's breakfast. It was a blessing for me. I had never attended any men's breakfast anywhere. <laughs> and you know, for us in Uganda, men are so difficult to organize. Women are easy, but for you, men can come together early in the morning to have breakfast and have fellowship and praise together. I have learned that, and I need to take that back home. Yes. We have just uh, gone through a very important season of Lent. Lent is a time of waiting and preparation, a time of prayer and fasting, being closer to the Lord, a time of repentance, waiting and becoming ready to celebrate 
the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we are celebrating Christ's entry to his own city, Jerusalem, as king. To accomplish his mission as the savior of the world, to suffer, to die on the cross, and to raise again on the third day. Friends, let us go in faith with him, faith and love, so that united with him in his suffering during the Passion Week, which we call the Holy Week, we might share his risen life, his joy, his peace, and victory over death at Easter. Yes, Jesus and his disciples were together on their way to Jerusalem. From Jericho at Bethphage on the uh, Mount of Olives, Jesus chose to go to Jerusalem at a time when people had come for a big celebration. He did not want to enter as a rebel fighter. He chose another way to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah, as it was quoted in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. Jesus came as a new king in a different way. You remember, the Bible says, King Saul had acquired military power and had, was a great king of Israel. King Solomon was known by his wealth and wisdom. He prayed for wisdom, not for wealth, but he prayed for wisdom. But Christ was weak and humble, not afraid of the power and malice of his enemies at Jerusalem, the scribes and Pharisees. So he came publicly and cheerfully. He did not enter the city incognito or unnoticed. The reason was Jesus, will, Jesus had authority over everyone. So he sent his two disciples into the next village with instructions to borrow the most humble animal. Not a horse for rich people or for war, but an innocent, simple donkey. Remember, the, at one time, Jesus had borrowed a boat from which he preached a sermon, and that was Peter's boat in Luke chapter 5 and verse 3. At the Last Supper, he also borrowed the upper room. No payment was made. We are not told of, of any payment. Not like the Pope who recently went out to clear his bills. You remember? Pope Francis paid his bill. He had no earthly possession, Jesus Christ, and yet, as God, he owned everything and chose to borrow a donkey, a symbol of humility, yet with great authority. And verses 2 to 3, he says, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied with, with her colt, untie them and bring them to me, Whoever asks you, tell him the master needs them, and he will send them back. God needs us, my friends. He needs our time. He needs our hearts. Jesus used 
an animal which was a symbol of quietness, not as a war horse. He showed his power over men. Others thought he was an earthly messiah, an earthly king. Others wanted to see him perform miracles. And that is why they came in big numbers. So they welcomed him as king, and instead of carrying spears, they had palm leaves. Today in Uganda, all over the country, in all churches, people are carrying palm leaves and other branches. There are some other young men, I was telling Paul, who make business selling palms in the city, and when they are singing Hosanna, they are waving their palms the old Anglican way. I'm sure I used to do it in your churches before. So others put their clothes on the way for him to pass. They sang Hosanna to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. One who was to open a new way, to overcome the power of sin and oppression, to liberate men and women from the bondage of sin, to reconcile them back to God and to their fellow men and women. We now celebrate what happened a long time ago. We enjoy Jesus Christ as our King and Savior. We understand him better than those who sang Hosanna many years ago. He meets the needs of human soul. We are unable to find satisfaction and fulfillment elsewhere. In Christ alone, our fragmented, lonely life is completed and transformed. We are restored to our true identity as children of God. As John 1, 12 says, those who received him, those who believed in him, he gave them the right to become children of God. So you and I are adopted sons and daughters of God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Many spread their garments. This, is a, uh, this implies that they forgot themselves for the sake of Christ. Self, self-denial allowed them to surrender everything to follow Christ. They are people of hope, joy, and love. What do we offer to Christ today? Jesus needs us. Jesus needs children, needs the youth of this world, needs all of us at our levels. The donkey was the most blessed animal to carry the Messiah. And the donkey stepped on the clothes of people and the palms and branches as he carried Jesus. And the people who honored Jesus had spread the clothes. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Was not sung to the donkey. It was not sung to the donkey. Although the donkey was blessed to, uh, to carry Jesus and pass on the clothes, uh, they were singing Hosanna to Jesus. They were singing Hosanna not to the donkey, but the to Jesus himself. How I want to remain that humble donkey. Like the donkey, the humble animal, to carry the master, to carry my savior, Jesus and friend, humbly, that when I preach, when I teach, wherever I go, I do not attract people to see the archbishop, to see me as a person, but to see Jesus. 
because I am nobody, but he who is in me is greater. So I want to remain that humble donkey that I can carry Jesus in Uganda all over the world and people will see Jesus, not me. There are many preachers, many leaders who want to attract people to themselves, who want to impress people by their theology, by their status, but I want to remain humble that Jesus will be lifted high. And that's my calling, that's my uh, mandate, that I lift the name of the Lord Jesus high. People should see Jesus, sing Hosanna to him, obey him, lift the name of Jesus high, and be focused on him. People are drifting away from the way of Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Because people are so self-centered, they are drifting away. They are going to other things other than following Jesus, who is the way, the, the, the way to everlasting life. People have fallen into the trap of pride and materialism. People can no longer see Jesus because of their self-centeredness. Until we deny ourselves, dear friends, we shall never be humble enough to carry Jesus, to make him known right from our homes. Because he said when he was going to heaven, you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends, uh, to the ends of the earth. Our Jerusalem is here. Your Jerusalem is your home, your village, this great city of London. My Jerusalem is Namirembe, Kampala, and Uganda. So let us follow Jesus so that we can be his fellow co-workers, his fellow workers and co-workers, and carry him around so that he can be, he can be known. We shall never be humble enough to carry Jesus because of our selfish ambition, our interests, our ideologies will always stop us from acknowledging Jesus who came and who will come. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Surprisingly, as you will remember and you will not, those who welcomed Jesus with the heavenly singing, Hosanna, were the same people just a week later on Good Friday who said, crucify him, crucify him. The same people. What had gone wrong? What had happened? The same people who said, uh, blessed is who, come, who comes in the name of the Lord were the same people who sang crucify him loudly on Good Friday. It was a dark Friday that day, the day of crucifixion. It was a dark moment on the ninth hour. There was darkness all over the world, and for us as believers in the risen Lord have called it Good Friday. That is where our salvation begins. They said crucify him. We do the same. We crucify the Lord Jesus when we turn away from him, when we hate those for whom he came to save. And in uh, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, he says, I came to seek and to save the lost. You and I have been liberated by the coming Savior, and therefore we need to follow his way. Not like those who shouted to crucify him. People need to see Jesus in a new way, to love and to know him as Lord and Savior and friend. So let us come to him this holy week, which begins today, as Jesus enters Jerusalem, so that we can meet him and be forgiven and be liberated and be reconciled children of God, reconciled to him and to one another. So friends, 
Let us move with him. Let us go with him to Jerusalem, and we shall be enjoying the Holy Week and celebrating Easter with joy and peace and assurance of uh, his salvation to us because he came as the Savior of the world to bring us back to God. Please pray for me and my family. Pray for my ministry as the new Archbishop of Uganda. Pray for training for the ordinance as we see the clergy retiring and new churches being planted. Pray for Uganda and pray for Africa. May God bless you all and give you his peace this Easter. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.